Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly Podcast. My name is Chris and I am your host and I can confirm we are the podcast that often has the look of Kylian Mbappe not winning the Ballon d'Or. If you've seen it, you know what that face is like. But enough about me, I need to introduce my colleagues and we have plenty to dig into this week. So welcome back, Jez and Phil. How are you both doing? We're good. Bad, thanks. Good, good, splendid. No weather report tonight because it's wet and it's miserable. We're just going to move straight into the football. So uh, we are going to wind back the clock in a short while and talk about the European results. But before we do that, before we have a sort of a little look at the league on weekend, there was probably a bigger story, I think it's fair to say, which occurred on Sunday evening when we were we're all getting snuggled up, hoping for what could be a really good Olympico. And as you probably tell by the title of the podcast, uh, that was a very much a non-event. Um, let me start with you, Phil. Talk, talk us through, I'm sure anybody who listens to this podcast will know what's happened, but just talk us through the events as you saw them in, in France, because I'm pretty sure Jez and I would have just seen, you know, we, we tuned into TNT Sports and there was an announcement that the game had been delayed and there wasn't really a huge amount of information at that point in time, but I'm sure in France it was covered in great depth. So talk us through the events that led to the postponement of the Marseille-Lyon game on Sunday evening. Well, it was a bit weird because I, like you, was watching cookery shows um, and, and then turning over and turned over to find all of the experts were talking about a postponement. And it seems that um, the away fans from OL, uh, there were six buses, I believe three of which were attacked. And also, the OL team bus was attacked, and that's where Fabio Grosso and his um, his second-in-command were both badly injured, not just by flying glass, but by being hit by projectiles. And this meant that we had a situation where the bus made it to the velodrome and apparently the OL players wanted to play, but this was not a a good situation, obviously. Um, And we had Textor, the OL owner, saying that, but also saying that um, Grosso was not just hit by flying glass, that he was not lucid, and hmm. it seems that there was um, first aid on the scene. Obviously, the ambulances were there saying he had, we, he was concussed after being hit by a bottle that went through uh, the window. And it seems uh, from reports on the keep that um, he's been given what they called ITT in France, that's uh, kind of time off for injury, um, which he's been given 30 days, which sounds terrible for Leon everything, but this is something kind of optional that 
OL can't make him come to work, but he can come to work if he wants to. This is something that is uh, used in um, legal proceedings to kind of quantify how bad the injury was. And 30 days is big. I mm. think um, when I, I had a stroke a couple of years ago and I was offered eight dates, yeah. which I didn't take because I wanted to go back to the office and just get back to normal. 30 days is big. So we've already seen, I think, one Marseille fan has been convicted already outside the stadium uh, for having best part of 30 um, explosive devices on him. Um, and we had, obviously, bricks thrown through through windows of both the team coach and the fans coaches and so a lot of injured people and this is just terrible basically mm. a terrible look and then just when we were getting over that the OL fans who made it into the velodrome there is now uh, movements to investigate them doing monkey chants <laughs> and Nazi salutes from the stand. Mm. So this whole thing just really couldn't get any worse, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, Chaz, uh, Phil's given us a really good account of what happened there. From from your perspective, I don't... Uh, I don't know whether you were whether you were tuned in on Sunday night. Um, feel free to fill me in there. But it it sort of all seemed to happen all at once. How, why why is this? Maybe just give our listeners a bit of a breakdown. What where did this hatred between these two supporter bases come from? And what's your view on the circumstances? We'll we'll go over what the fallout could be in a minute. But just on the whole, you know what what go what create or what has created this hate between the support of the two two teams yes there's a rivalry on the pitch but it's you know it's it's a healthy rivalry with bookings and sendings off yes but it's a rivalry on the pitch this isn't about on the pitch is it and if this continues you know we, we're going to go back to a stage where like we had with, with i think it's psg fans so you know season ticket supporters were banned for a period of time at the away grounds and you know it doesn't it doesn't benefit does it like where where's the logic in so-called Marseille fans or supporters causing games to be called off? Or are these even supporters? You know, you were there with Brighton a few weeks ago. What 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 was the root cause of this of this um, rivalry? And where's the sense, in your opinion, on this? Hmm. There's a lot to unpack there. I think there is, in terms of the rivalry between the two teams or clubs, I think it's just been a bit of a slow burn. I don't. I don't. I think it's just the fact that. Obviously, PSG Marseille is the very traditional rivalry, but that's also because it's sort of a little bit more historic. Lyon, sort of relatively speaking, are kind of new kids on the block in a way. And I think, you know, they're the two main cities in France after Paris. They're kind of sort of the two big clubs of the last 20 years who are now kind of being squeezed out by Paris. 
there there've been matches recent in recent years between the two that have kind of caused a bit of bad blood not necessarily because of anything the players have done although obviously there was that one for example where Lopez hit a security guard but I think often I think it actually sort of started with a couple where there was some bad or certainly perceived to be bad refereeing decisions that that seemed to sort of help Leo out there's been players not too many but I think you know certainly for example Val Bueno when he went he went to Leo I think don't think Marseille fans took that particularly well so it's just one of those things that sort of just kind of crept up as a big rivalry without any one sort of big catalyst that that kind of sparked it Mm. um in terms of Marseille Marseille fans first of all I hate this so-called fans are they really fans yeah of course they are I mean it might be a minority that gives the rest of them a bad name it's the same as hooliganism in England they are still football fans um I I think that there was a Brighton fan that that tweeted me the other day and, and said that after you know after these incidents and said that you know the experience of of Brighton Fans. They didn't have a great time in terms of the police, but in terms of Marseille fans, he said that he, after that, he kind of came away thinking that the whole sort of uh, reputation of Marseille fans or whatever, maybe it was more a kind of pantomime thing. And I kind of agreed with him to an extent. And I said that beforehand when people were saying, you know, should Brighton fans be scared of Marseille fans? I was like, I don't think so. Like they create a hostile atmosphere, but as long as there isn't really a history there, I don't think there's any reason why Brighton fans should particularly be the target of Marseille fans eye or anything like that. I think um, Lyon obviously is slightly different and, um, you know, rightly or wrongly, we've seen it, you know, these are Marseille, often Marseille fans violence, if you want to call it that is actually reserved for Marseille. Yeah. There was that that incident, you know, under Villas Barras's time, where the fans invaded the the training ground. There was, you know, going back to, I remember, you know, when Pires was was playing for Marseille, and and they were going through a bad period of form. And I think while the players were all in a team meeting, the fans set fire to all the players' cars, things like that. Mm. Um, there is a tendency for them to go overboard, and I think it's kind of what you get with. Marseille the city for better or worse I think they're very very passionate they about everything sort of they live their life that way um and OM the the football team are very much the center of the city's life so you know for all everything we've ever discussed about Marseille for better or worse there isn't that much gray area everything is kind of black and white and Lyon are sort of at the moment (laughs) black I guess like you know not not very popular there. Yeah. But there's also, you know, it probably has to be said, there's always, and I think certainly there was an element of that with all that rubbish with Longoria a couple of weeks ago, which kind of pales into insignificance now. There's always kind of insinuations about mafia being involved in Marseille as well, which doesn't help things. But what happened the other day, I mean... Look, the, the problem is you often do get, and it's not just at Marseille, you know, as coaches approach grounds, a bit of sort of, uh, you know, friendly ribbing, which often goes a bit further and, and has in the past gone as far as, I don't know, stones being thrown at the coach, which is unacceptable. But 
nothing this bad or maybe it's just been good luck that it hasn't been that bad and and you know seeing the photos of Grosso are just absolutely shocking and and that you know the front page of Lecky on Monday was extremely powerful yeah it was yeah yeah, yeah I thought it was because uh, there were some suggestions that a fraction lower and he could have lost an eye I mean that's that's some serious business yeah, um, yeah definitely I think, I think my, that the, um, the shocking his, thing is sorry go on sorry his um uh, the assistant coach of OL has also been injured, and that has been an eye injury. And you just know if windows are shattering next to you, mm. that that could be absolutely horrible. Yeah, yeah. It's did you? Sorry, before I ask another question, you had another point on that as well, Jess. Uh. No, I was just going to talk about where it happened and the implications of that or non-implications of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is it is nuts. Um, Phil, uh, I'll, I'll ask you both one more question on this before we sort of move it on a bit. Um, what, what do you think are the long-term ramifications of this? Because the, the game... Is, is in limbo at the moment. Um, I can confirm even the betting sites don't know because I haven't been refunded my fiver. Um, but um, it, it should be rescheduled at some point. I think Jazz alluded to it earlier on that there is there is this sort of uh, wording, if you will, or, or view that this happened outside the ground. You know, OM took responsibility to say that they're disgusted, etc. OL also said there's no place for this in football. But this game has to be played right. And there, there's... I've seen all sorts of talk about an escort for the bus via police. I've heard that there's suggestions that the players are going to go to the stadium the day before, um, you know, incognito, if you will, like in separate um, cars. What, I mean, sleep in the stands. Well, this, this is it. There's all sorts going on, and and the the wider issue here is that's that. Well, it's not fine. But even if they do that and the game gets played and there's no incident, this can't happen again, can it? Because this is happening too much. The wider implications, What what is the solution to stop this? I think um, one thing when I saw this, I immediately thought of was one of the European games, I think we'll get onto later, that Liverpool hammered Toulouse 5-1 in the Europa League. But I remember I was watching that and thinking, oh, there's a lot of Toulouse fans there. And apparently the Toulouse fans, there were two and a half, three thousand of them in the stadium. And nobody has a bad word to say about them, Mm. apart from one guy who on Twitter who may have been just a troll saying uh, they shouldn't have let off flares because it made my contact lenses itch. <laughs> but they they even got a tweet from Liverpool's Metropolitan Police saying, lovely to have you here. Mm. When we say ultra, I think a lot of British people think the worst and that is not what football fandom is about they turn up they show their colours yes they light up some flares 
But everyone said that Toulouse fans were brilliant. They even started the hashtag, hashtag the purples, which mm. I thought was adorable. Yeah. But when kind of ironic, Liverpool fans jump in <laughs> who are good and bad fans. Yeah, don't, don't get me started. But when we look at this, if you this happened, lot of the OM violence happened outside the ground. The OL violence inside. Mm. Um, but the OM fans, if one person chucks a stone. Yeah. You're thinking other people are going to do that because they just go with the flow. Mm. Is that, did they really mean to do that? I And I hope all of them are found and all of them face sanctions. Yeah. But this was a very odd situation. And we had... Um, uh, the uh, salute the crease, they call it, uh, so kind of cobra meeting, um, which happened. And mm. there was someone there from the LFP, there was Le Taxier, who was supposed to be the uh, referee of the game, just explaining why it couldn't continue. Yeah. That if someone who was important to the game is not able to play a part in the game because of something that didn't happen in the game, you have to call it off. It's a bit like, as you mentioned earlier, the Montpellier-Clermont game that was called off a couple of weeks ago Yeah, because someone threw a, a firework onto the pitch and took out uh, my job, the Clermont goalkeeper. Jill, yeah. You have to do something about that. You can't just say, okay, let's stop it there. That's the score. Yeah. Because that isn't right. So that game is going to be replayed on the 29th of November. Montpellier have been docked a point. Yeah. For that, there will be a partial closure of... um. The Litang uh, de Tal, the tribune, where from where the firework came, and the fact that it's a partial closure, not the whole thing, yeah, tells you that they know it was one person. Who other Montpellier fans were pointing out to the CRS after it happened? It's yeah. just a very complicated situation where it's football violence you have to say is it in the stadium is it outside the stadium is it one person is it a, a group of people and trying to deal with all of that is actually pretty tricky mm. yeah, and yeah. what they're doing about this is obviously it has to go to the police and the justice system first because chucking bricks at a bus, it's just not ignore it? football. It's, just, it's common it's assault. Criminal. It? Yeah, it's common assault. You wouldn't do that in a shop in the middle of the city centre, would you? You know, you would be arrested. So I mean, that's the that's the fine line. Um, 
yeah, and thanks for bringing us up to date as well on on the Montpellier situation. Uh, Jez, your your final thoughts on this before we move on um, as to where we go from here, and 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 do you have a view on on how we stop this or or how this is how we go forwards? I guess is is the easiest way to put it. I think that there's. Um... I think Marseille fans have got enough previous to say that it's probably more than one person throwing something and then other people just joining in for the lols. I think yeah, yeah. a bit more concerted than that. I yeah. think the 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 as Phil alluded to, the the big issue here, first of all, as usual, the LFP didn't really cover themselves in glory. I think the statement they originally put out kind of didn't even refer to what happened. It just kind of said something to the effect something happened. Sort of, Leon didn't really want to play the game or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's exactly what it said. Yeah. Which, which I think was, well, pathetic, frankly. Not and helpful then, either. No. And then I understand why, but the fact that ba- basically, footballistically, probably the LFP can't do anything. Marseille probably can't be punished in that kind of way that like like Montpellier, they probably can't get a point deduction. You know, they can't award Leon a three 0 win or whatever because the attack happened off outside velodrome or whatever premises yeah. in the yeah. it happened in the public sphere. Mm. It's effectively a non footballing incident, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but I, I get that you know where do you you know where do you draw the line? Is you know it's it's one of those situations where dangerous precedents are going to be set one way or the other, but it's, it's, you know, obviously I'm absolutely not condoning Leon fans doing Nazi salutes in the stadium, but conceivably on a purely football basis, Leon could, could or probably will be punished for that much more severely than Marseille will be punished for, for what happened with the coach and with Grosser. So it's just not ideal. And when you add into all of that, the fact that, you know, the whole sort of TV rights debate is coming up again and and Marseille-Lyon should be one of those huge marquee uh, fixtures or, you know, attracting uh, investors and, and TV companies and, and supporters and everything around the world. It's it's just, it's yet another massive mess and, and not for the first time it's, different elements of French football shooting themselves in the foot, arguably the worst possible time. Mm. Yeah, I saw um, one uh, Marseille account that I follow posted after that. Basically, I'm paraphrasing, but it was, you're a bunch of cunts. We're never going to be able to go to an away match again. Yeah. And we all know, or if you're in France, you know, that away fans, all football fans are treated terribly. We saw that with the Champions League final last year. But away fans are treated very badly. And this will just be another reason for that to be sustained. And Mm -hmm. I just want to mention, while we're on kind of hate surrounding football, uh, Rouge Direct, which was, uh, which is um, uh, a 
Twitter account, which um, is challenging homophobia and football in France, is going on hiatus, shutting down because they've been getting death threats, basically. Yeah. And that's something I think which is all part of this, which is people, football fans, and I agree with Jez very much, you can't say so-called fans, if you're turning up to the game, you're a fan. Um, all of this is just getting bigger and nastier and more horrible. And this is something it will take more will to deal with than the LFB has. Frankly. Yeah. Yeah. I also feel like French football and French league, I mean, in its defence, it is a much newer league. It started whatever it was, like the professional league, I don't know, 1920s, 1930s. It is that far behind the English league. And I always find like, so much of everything that's happening in French football feels like they're sort of 30, 40 years behind England. Um, you know, obviously, in, including things like TV rights or whatever, and fan culture, away fan culture, all that kind of thing. And maybe that's this is this is France going through the England in the 1980s moment or something like that. But it it's a mess. And and on in terms of what Phil said about you know, now we're not going to be able to go to any away matches. For what it's worth, not even just the away fans, there was there was quite a moving little clip that some some kid sort of filmed of himself, a Marseille fan, talking about it. And he kind of said, you know, my dad's a Lyon fan, I'm a Marseille fan. These are sort of, you know, these two matches every year are very special. We kind of save up money. We have to travel a long way to go to them. Um, you know, we have to probably stay overnight. So there's going to be that cost, all the other costs involved with, um, you know, just being away and food and things like that. And, you know, however much apart from the ticket, it ends up being a sort of four or five hundred euro trip, which if the match happens, you kind of say, well, you know, that's that's what we set out for. It was worth it. But then to do all of that and then the match gets cancelled, and he's not saying it shouldn't have been, but for the match to be postponed because of what happened, it hurts the, you know, the good, innocent fans as well. And it's just it's just very sad all around. Yeah, 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 I completely agree. I completely agree. It's, it's definitely one that will run and run. And of course, we'll keep you up to date with what happens next when we know what happens next. Um, I would imagine at some point before the next pub, we'll find out uh, what, if anything, is likely to be done and whether that game will be replayed. And from a selfish point of view, yeah, Augusta, we couldn't watch the game. And obviously, if there is a partial um, stadium closure, which like Jez and Phil both mentioned there, there's no... You know, there's nothing saying they have to because it was outside the ground. But if that does happen, it'll be a shame because the atmosphere won't be anywhere near what it would have been. So a bitter, bitter well, shame. Also, as you said, like Leon fans didn't cover themselves in glory either. And and I actually was quite surprised that there were Leon fans there. I'm so, yeah. Sort of last I heard, I'd have thought that would be one where the you know the local authorities would have found a way to to ban any away fans. So yeah. you know considering uh, they were allowed to be there they didn't cover themselves in glory either and they, apparently they, the, they some of those Leon fans are banned the from the Leon's home ground so that that's another issue that that 
French authorities are going to have to deal with. And that's what happened similarly. Wasn't there a Coupe de France match last year where there was like PSG fans invading a Lyon match or Lyon fans are invading a PSG match? Yeah. I'm not sure how that can be policed, but it's yet another layer of, of stress or whatever. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. It's a mess. It's a mess. Um, but we wanted to devote devote um, some of the podcast to it tonight because obviously it is, a, it is a big issue and, and it deserves to be covered. Um, let's get back to things on the pitch then. Um, Phil, I don't want to go too deep into Europe this week because I'm conscious we've, we've spent a lot of time on the off the pitch stuff, but I do think it's worth just going over a couple of results last week. Um, Lons picked up a valuable point at home to PSV with a a quite stunning Eliwahi goal Wahey. for them, but it was a fantastic Wahey. goal. Wahey. Wahey. He yeah. is uh, he's showing why more more clubs should have taken a, a deeper look at him over the summer, I think. But that's just me. Um, but ultimately, Lons will feel frustrated because I think they should have won that game. But they're in a good place in the group, which is ideal for them after Arsenal's win in Sevilla. And then we also saw PSG get back to well, I suppose get back to winning ways. I can put it that way. Uh, the following night, they got a victory over AC Milan by three goals to nil. Um, that Mbappe finish is becoming quite the quite the uh, the trademark um, that he's he's pulling off. He pulled it off at the weekend as well, which we'll mention in a second. And, and despite the three nil win, Mignon was good. It oh yeah, could have yeah. been a lot. Yeah, worse. Milan. Was. Thought, and, until PSG scored, I think Milan were the better team. I, th- I yeah. thought Milan controlled the play better, but they just didn't have any threat, did they? And um, it, it just sort of. I thought until the goal, they had the better chances. So I, I, I was, I always, I don't know. It's a weird one. I, I do agree with you. I just think that it was one of those games that Milan had to score first. If you know what I mean, like as soon as PSG got the goal, I just didn't feel like they were gonna, gonna relinquish that. And Warren Zaire Emery, by the way, I mean, oh, you know, oof. we're not gonna sort but we of have... make noises. I mean, he's just so good, isn't he, for his age? And I know, obviously, that a lot of the focus, rightly so, is on Jude Bellingham, for example, at the moment. But this this kid is is every bit up there. Um, and I think you said earlier on in season, Jez, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't make the uh, the French national team ahead of the Euros next year, at least in the squad, well, anyway. Chouameni, I think, is not going to be in the next squad. And um, I'd be very surprised if Zaya Emery isn't in the next squad, to be honest, me, next me for this month, next month. Yeah, this me month too. Tomorrow. This month, yeah, all soon goes by, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, so good results there in the Champions League. And then on Thursday, we saw Marseille beat AEK Athens 3 1, putting themselves into a good position that in the group was... there. Um, I mean, can we just say we've talked about the bad side of football, but that game was the hilarious side of football. Mm, they were gifted. Um, I think. Uh, the AEK goalkeeper basically rugby tackled somebody. There was a body check. There was all sorts of stuff going on there. But yeah, it was that was not a football match. That was a rolling ball. Yeah, yeah, it was quite the uh, quite the affair. But um, now a win against Ajax will almost certainly put Marseille through um, because uh, Brighton obviously beat Ajax that night as well, which I'm sure made Jess very happy. Um, and elsewhere, the trip home didn't, but <laughs> no, I can imagine quite a, quite a soggy one in the morning. Oh, god, yeah, and soaked through, no doubt. 
didn't look pleasant. Um, and then we saw Toulouse, unfortunately, took a hammering at Liverpool. I don't think they'll be hugely surprised, if I'm honest. It was very much one of those games that you just looked at and went, yeah, that's probably going to be a, a win. I, I thought they, they acquitted themselves quite well, but once they fell behind, it was it was all over. Um, their position in the group is sort of teetering. I think it's fair to say that's in the Europa League. Wren, however, got a very good result, um, certainly not going very well domestically, but in Europe, they got a very good result away at Panathinaikos, winning by uh, two goals to one. Um, yes, they... Steph Mandanda was yeah, he had a better... very important in that one. <laughs> he had a better game there than he did at the weekend, bless him. But, yeah. uh, and Callum Wendo that Callum Wendo goal, the oh, pan- yeah. It was a matter, but it was it was off the ground, back heel. Yeah, thing. clever, and clever orientation really of the body. Really I was. just uh, just have a thing. I went to uh, my uh, to back um, a couple of days ago, and somebody was in there picking up a lot of money. Off a bet, I think it was about six hundred euros. He had a couple. He'd had a fiver on a five-four, rather on um, any time scorers, and he had kind of the obvious ones. Um, but there was one that made the uh, guy giving him the money going. The fuck! What what were you thinking? And yeah. it was at the guy that scored for Panathinaikos, Ioannidis, I think. Yes. Because he was the person who got the 99th minute uh, penalty against OM in the Champions League qualifiers. So I think he was, this guy was definitely a Marseille fan who was kind of getting his own back but uh, that was a little bit of a little bit of a, a kind of sweetener sweet yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah a yeah. karmic bet yeah shall we say i know i know and a lot of also offered to pay for my bags because oh. my thumb was declined so, that's that's why you liked it. That's why I liked it. Yeah, um, yeah I, I know a lot of people who often um, often tend to bet on, oh, they bet against their side. So even if they lose, at least they win. It's, it's a very weird sort of way of fucking around it. I, do, yeah. I do that with nil-nil. Yeah. If I think it's going to be nil-nil. I bet on that. Because yeah. then if it is, I win. If it isn't, at least I've got to at least you got some money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the way forward. Um, the only other result to cover in, or in terms of French teams was Lille, who won 2-1 against Slovan Bratislava. They're in a good position in that group to go through as well. Um, yeah, two goals to one in that particular fixture. Goals from Yazici, who's played his way back into the team this year, and Remy Cabela. We all love Remy Cabela, of course. Um, and they came from a goal down, should stress, in that game as well. Yep. And... Um, that kind of nicely leads us into the weekend where we're not going to spend a huge amount of time, uh, obviously, because we went long earlier. But uh, it is with Lille that I want to start because, uh, Jez, they beat Monaco by two goals to nil, um, which I wouldn't say I didn't see it coming because it was a game that you looked at and you went, yeah, on paper, that could be tough. 
Cavaliero's first for the club and Diakite with a centre-forwards finish. No, never mind a centre-back's finish. And uh, Monaco suffered uh, their first defeat, I believe, this season. Does that, does that sort of uh, dent your belief that we could have a sort of a Monaco that can can stay the course? Do you see it as a bit of a freak result or were Lille just just very good? Because they all of a sudden they're playing themselves into form. Lille. They're up to fourth and just the four points off top now. So where do you sit on that particular result? Um, I think I've been a bit agnostic about Monaco's chances of staying the course anyway. So <laughs> it doesn't really dent how I feel because I felt like that in any case. Yeah. Um, I think maybe it... Uh, suggests that Monaco may struggle with sort of strength and depth, certainly in, in terms of the defensive side. I think they've, you know, they've got a lot of sort of attacking um choices and and we've seen that with, you know, several different scorers and and them, you know, doing well when, for example, Golovin and Minamino have been out injured, that kind of thing. But I think maybe their defense they'll be find, found out occasionally by their defense. Um so I, th- I think that that could be an issue for them. In terms of Lille, it's funny that the the um, Lekip review of the match alluded to something that I think we said a lot last year, which was that last year Lille were playing a lot of really nice football and maybe not getting the results that that the the performances reflected or deserved, and that this year they're a lot more pragmatic, mm. and it seems to be going a little bit better for them. And and it was interesting that the the team they put out. As you said, Yaziki was up front, and um, he's not really. A, I don't think he's a sort of, you know, proper centre forward. I haven't. I prefer him as a sort of deeper forward, or you know, maybe in a in a two or a three rather than an out and out centre forward. But Fonseca dropped David to the bench and, and started with Yaziki. He, um, I think, did he? Did he do the same with um, Cabela? Maybe Cabela certainly didn't start. So I think you know, mindful that Monaco are, are very good and particularly good attacking wise this year. I think he he sort of just um, sort of densified the midfield, if you like. Um, still put his trust in a couple of very young defenders and goalkeeper as well. And and yeah, I think got a really good result. I know that they were at home, and as I said, it wasn't necessarily Monaco's absolute first team, but I think it's a, a big statement result for Lille and, and yeah, it gives Monaco something to think about, but also I think maybe gives Lille some more confidence. Um, yeah. you'll, you'll be they're always sort of there or thereabouts, but I think it might um, make people sort of take them a little bit more seriously. And Zagrova, who was involved in, I think, at least one of the goals, um, yeah. he's, none of us have made that much fuss about him, but I think he's he's having a fa- he looked good last year, but he's having a fantastic season so far. I think. How how very how very dare you, Jess? Go to my Twitter, look at the pin tweet, and look at players to watch this season in Liga, and I I have him on that list. How very dare you? Uh, <laughs> but, but I know what you mean. He he showed didn't he last season promise, and I thought yeah, this is the season he needs to kick on, and he was excellent in this game. You're right, he was very much involved in everything good for Leo, and and um, they actually played Benjamin Andre in a. It's sort of almost a false 10 position behind Yazici against Monaco. It's quite weird. Non, um, Angel Gomez played kind of in between the gap with Bentelev. It's quite a weird setup, but yeah, it worked. And Fonseca got his tactics spot on. So uh, good result that for uh, for Lille. On the other flip side of the coin, um, PSG sort of limped a little bit, didn't they, Phil, on Sunday? They beat Brass by three goals to two. They raced into a two-goal lead and 
that man Zaire Emery crashed home an opener, which was beautiful. And Bappe got another one of those finishes to make it 2-0. But Steve Mounier still going, got them back in it. And Le Duron, who else, equalised. And then Mbappe had his penalty saved, but knocked away the rebound in the very last minute. Then got himself booked for unsportsmanlike conduct, which drew the uh, attention of the French press at the weekend. Um, and we'll come on to his Ballon d'Or reaction in a second. But it's kind of weird, isn't it, that result for PSG? Because it's like they got there in the end, but they were so convincing for a lot of it and then chucked it away and then kind of won it late. It's a bit of a, it was a bit of a weird performance, I thought. I don't know if you've managed to catch this one. Yeah, mostly the hail. Yeah, it was a wet one. It was very, very bad weather. Mm. And... PSG going 2-0 up, like standard. And then Brest pulled it back to 2-2. Dalton Munier and Le Duano making it 2-2. So with Mbappe getting a very late winner, 88 minutes, it was a bit of a kind of slap in the face for Brest there. But it was a really fun match to watch, mm. particularly after the hailstorm stopped and the sun came out. Uh, yeah, uh, PSG doing what they do, and Brest, as we thought earlier in the season, kind of moving down the table. Yeah, I think we I think we all kind of expected them to, to level out. What what did you uh, Jez, what did you make of the the reaction to Mbappe? He finished third in the Ballon d'Or behind Lionel Messi, um, which maybe we'll skirt we'll scoot over that because I think he's already said that he's uh, he doesn't think it'll be a wise idea if he brings the Ballon d'Or to, to the Parc de Prince <laughs> in terms of how he left, which I think says it all. Um but yeah, Mbappe finished third. I've seen a lot of arguments on Twitter and various platforms this week saying that any other season he would have won it. This is the fourth time now where he's been in that top three and not won it. Is it just a case that he has to win the Euros next year, for example? Because however many people say it, the Ballon d'Or is very much, it's not rigged, obviously, but it's very much geared towards the player who has the biggest European tournament or in the off-season of European tournaments, who has the most goals or assists. You know, it's never about... You don't. You aren't going to see another Cannavaro, for example. It's, it's very much a popularity contest. But he didn't hide his disappointment, shall we say, by the facial expressions, did he? Um, he didn't, but I don't know what he was expecting. No, that, that I was just going to say that myself. I, I don't know I mean, what I would have done either. But... If I were him, I'd just be relieved that Haaland didn't win it because I think that one would have been a bit more galling. But yeah, the yeah. fact is you have to be winning serious trophies and PSG winning league as and kind of anything marquee anymore. Um, I feel sorry for him to the extent that I think he's had a much better year and, frankly, a better World Cup than Messi. Messi has sleptwalked through the whole calendar year and, and frankly, even during the World Cup, he didn't do that much except put away some very, very soft penalties that Argentina benefited from all the way through the tournament. But he's Messi. 
Argentina won, finally won the World Cup. He completed football. He was always going to win it. And Haaland won the Champions League. Yeah. I mean, if, 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 frankly, if Mbappe was putting that face on, the only person he really should be annoyed with is himself for not leaving PSG earlier. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. It, it does. It, that, that's probably a discussion for another day, but it does, it definitely opens that, that discussion point of, um, whether he loves Paris or not, whether there is a new contract on the table or not, he clearly has to go to a Real Madrid, for example, if he's going to win these these individual awards. If he wants to win the individual award, yeah, I think so. I mean, whether yeah. he wants to, I'm, I'm sure, well, he clearly does want to, but obviously it shouldn't be about that. It should be more about if he wants to win the Champions League, but it amounts to the same thing. Yeah. yeah what would be really... If, if, if... If he wants to win a team award, is PSG going to be that, as Jess says? No, so you still have to leave. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think the, the ideal scenario for Mbappe is, is this is the season that PSG finally break the hoodoo. He wins the Champions League and he goes off quietly into the night to Real Madrid on a, you know, an arranged... Well, I mean, I'm convinced there's a deal in place there, you know, because I, I just don't think he would have stayed otherwise given what went on at the start of the season, but... Yeah, I mean, that's one for the summer, for sure. It's going to roll and roll. Um, anyway, in the interest of time, I'm just going to whip through the other results. Um, props to, to Lens, who won the uh, the derby against Nantes by four goals to nil. They are slowly but surely finding their mojo. Satoka Medina with a centre-forwards finish again uh, from the centre-back, and Satoka got a third before a late uh, El Anoui goal to make it 4-0. Slightly flattered, uh, Loz. I thought watching it, I thought not was probably worthy of, of being uh, a couple of goals in, but um, they couldn't take the chances, so that's how it ended. Another one nil win for Nice uh, on that was on the Friday night, despite missing a penalty. They eventually overcame Clermont, who are right in the mire at the moment. They couldn't build on that win over Leon last week. Uh, Labor's penalty missed, but uh, Budawi got a 74th minute tap in for all three points for Nice, who continue to play well under Ferrioni. Uh, Rams got a 1-0 win over Lorient. Sai, uh, that was probably deserved in fairness. Lorient didn't really have too much of the game and ultimately went down to a goal to nil through uh, Wilson Esbrano, who I believe is on loan from Manchester City in the 84th minute. Uh, Will still got himself booked and sent off in that game. Uh, I think he tweeted a, sorry, Instagram pictured a, a photograph of himself walking off the pitch saying, uh, weeks like these, Oh, it was quite amusing. Uh, Montpellier got back to winning ways against Toulouse, who round off a pretty rough week. Uh, Acor Adams showing his value once again with two goals and uh, sandwiched by Fire as well, who's also having a quietly good season. Um, but yeah, not a good week for Toulouse. And uh, obviously Montpellier losing that point today, they'll have been happy to get that 3-0 win. Um, not a great week for you either, a weekend for you either, Jez, unfortunately, Mets and Love playing out a nil-nil draw. There was a few chances in this game, to be fair, but just neither side ever really looked like scoring, unfortunately. And the same could be said between Wren and Strasbourg, although both did score in the end. Uh, Wren continued to stutter. Truefair had them in front, and it looked like the game was done before Motiba, South African striker, popped up with 10 minutes to go to equalise. Um, that will be a very valuable away point for Strasbourg, you would suspect. I don't think they would have anticipated getting too much, but... As we said, uh, Ren are certainly struggling for momentum, at least domestically. It seems to be right in Europe. And uh, that was the weekend that was, because, of course, we didn't have the Sunday fixture. Um, week ahead. Week ahead. Fixtures, if my 
pictures will actually load. Thank you very much, computer. Um, on the 3rd of November, which is Friday night, we've got PSG against Montpellier. That might be one for behind the sofa for you there, Phil, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I will again be watching cookery shows. Yeah, might might be might be wise. Well, you never know, but I suspect it might be. A... I'll be watching cookery shows. Yeah, tune tune in for the cookery shows. I agree. Um, Lorient against Lons is. Um, I might look at cookery shows myself. Although we are at home, so we'll take that. That's the four o'clock game on Saturday. Marseille against Lille. That will be an interesting watch. One suspects inform Lille, and obviously with everything that's gone on with Marseille this week. Uh, that might be one to tune in for that Saturday night viewing for you, 8 p.m. UK. Uh, Leon against Mets. Oh, that's a big one, isn't it, Jez? For the, the midday games. Yeah, I mean, you've got to fancy your chances a little bit, haven't you? If there was ever a time to play Leon. If ever there was a time to play Leon, yes. But Leon could say if, you know, <laughs> if ever there was a team we, we, we'd like to play right now to, yeah. to get our first win. Yeah, I shall be. Uh, I shall be watching that one for sure. Um, I, I hope it's entertaining, but yeah, who knows? And and as for Leon, taking uh, taking your side away from it, Jez, that that's got to be must win. Otherwise, they are in real problems. Yeah, definitely. Um, as for uh, Nantes and Rams, uh, is one of the games at two p.m. As is Strasbourg, Clermont, which is um, pretty big one for both sides. There, Strasbourg will be looking three points for sure. Toulouse-La all of a sudden looks quite big as well, with Toulouse's form dropping off the cliff of, of late, so that's also 2 o'clock. And then Monaco against Brest. Um, I fancy goals in that one. That's 4.05 on Sunday. And we finish off the weekend's games with Nice against Rennes, which I don't think we're going to get a huge amount of goals in that one, if I'm honest, especially with the new-look, streamlined, defensive organisation of Nice at home. And Rennes obviously struggling to score goals at the moment domestically, so... I don't think that will be a thriller, but who knows? It's the Sunday viewing as it is. So they are the games ahead. Um, just before we go, quick run down the table. Nice are currently top. Four wins out of the last five, matching PSG's form, but they're a point clear of the Parisians at the top. Monaco in third on 20 points, two points clear of Lille in fourth. Uh, Rams continue their excellent season. Uh, they're sitting pretty in fifth with Brest, Nantes, Rennes and Marseille down to ninth place and you've got Lons 10th Montpellier 11th Toulouse falling a little bit haven't won in three games down to 12th Love Strasbourg and Lorient just hovering above that relegation zone yikes um Jez your Mets side just below us nine points uh, just a point behind Lorient and 16th in the playoff space and then Clermont and the beleaguered Lyon um, who of course technically do have that game in hand uh now are still bottom and as I say Mets at uh, 16th, playing Lorient 18th, as uh, playing Leon 18th. Sorry, that one has a lot on the line this weekend. Uh, right, it's enough of my voice for one week because I've waffled on long enough there. But um, I believe we've covered everything we wanted to cover this week. So uh, my thanks to both Jez and Phil. Uh, good luck to you both at the weekend for your respective games. Thank you. <laughs> And uh, we will, of course, bring you updates, uh, hopefully next week, as to what is happening with that OMOL uh, game. Uh, and hopefully we'll have some outcomes and hopefully we'll have more football to talk about this time next week. But until then, uh, whichever club you follow or if you're just a casual viewer, enjoy your French football. And we'll speak to you very soon.